0: <laughs> all right, so uh, we find ourselves in the last chapter of uh, First Timothy. Uh, last week we began looking at the first few verses, and because of the nature of the discussion, we couldn't go that far. So <laughs> we'll continue from uh, from verse six all the way down. I hope that we can get to the end, right, and then. Uh, We'll see what will happen. Lord, within next week. So, uh, if you have your Bible, can you uh, pick it up? Uh, Let's read from verse six all the way to twenty-one. First Timothy six, six to
1: twenty-one.
0: Anybody can read for us. Anybody feeling confident enough? Mm -hmm.
1: But godliness with contentment Mm -hmm. is great gain. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy There, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you.
0: Amen. Thank you, uh, Jay. So, um, First Timothy, we've seen, primarily was written to Timothy, Paul's protege. So it's like a pastor to a pastor, okay? A, young, a senior pastor to a younger pastor. And we've talked about the city, Ephesus, full of idolatry. Uh, there were the Judaizers there. So there were people teaching works salvation. It's always been part of the New Testament church experience. And we know that salvation is by grace through faith. So with that background, uh, Paul has been talking about ministers. He's talking about members. Now he talks about money. What should a Christian's attitude be towards money? What are the dangers? What is the trap? What is the snare? And are these far-fetched? Or this is a clear and present danger. Jay, uh, Drew talked talk about our circumstances today compared to the Old Testament times, the New Testament times. We've seen a lot of advancement. What is the word of God? Does the word of God speak to our culture? We want to delve into these things. So uh, Paul focuses remember, the context is false doctrine. In verses three to five of chapter six, he's spoken about the character of false teachers. They don't know anything. It doesn't mean that they don't read their Bible. They read their Bible, but they interpret it based on their own minds. So Paul says they know nothing. Okay? And what else? They are puffed up. They are proud, conceited, because they don't teach what God has revealed in his word. They teach their own ideas. Now Paul says from such, withdraw yourself. So, because of these dangers, we, we say that as an individual Christian, you ought to be very careful about the kind of church you fellowship with. It's not every church that is sound or that preaches the gospel, or sound doctrine. So, we need to be very, very mindful of these things. So, uh, he moves on to talk about uh, verses 6 to uh, the, the end of we've just read, and he makes this very profound statement that there is great gain in godliness with contentment. So I want us to uh, delve into that statement and then we'll we'll take our discussion down. Now, uh, what does godliness mean? We've tried to explain it in previous times, but these are just some new insights. Now, uh, just comparing the text uh, the ESV has it a little bit. It, it doesn't really capture the essence of the root word. Okay. The, I'm talking about uh, the verse that says that uh, it is certain we can take nothing out. In fact, I understand the root word means it is certain we can bear. When you bear, you carry. So the KJV got it right there. Take and carry are two different things. When you bear, he's talking about physical things all right so materialism you can't take anything into the grave all right so paul is using a kind of sarcasm in that statement now what about godliness what what, what do we mean by godliness simply it means reverence to god reverence having a deep you know respect for god his word his sovereignty his providence and what have you You see, you don't put yourself into the picture. It's like this, having a right attitude to God, a reverent attitude to God. And this is a lifestyle, but it also applies to our worship. You know, there are some churches, like I said, where reverence is thrown out of the window. I tell you, let me give you an example. In Ghana years ago, I don't know if they've stopped, but people took whistles to church. And it's all this kind of, you know, in ch- I mean, it's not on the football field. No, this is church. And people are jogging and huffing and puffing and, you know, all kinds of acts. No reverence. All right. So godliness is not just a lifestyle, but even when it comes to worship, we need to portray that. All right. And that is why the reformers have the what the, the, we call the regulative principle of worship. You can't do anything in church because you are before a holy God. Look at what Paul says in the verse. He says, the brightness of God is such like that you can't even get close. He, he describes it in that, those graphic words down there. He said we'll come to that shortly. So godliness means having that deep reverence, a right attitude to God. And then uh, contentment has this idea of reflecting on what God has given to us. It should be an attitude of reflect, a constant reflection of what God has given to you. So it, it makes you trust him. It makes you praise him and that kind of thing. Now, contentment has this idea of satisfaction. Okay, satisfaction. And when you reflect on how good God has been to you, not just in your salvation, but in your family, your Christian journey, it's providence, you know, where God has taken you through all the years. You reflect on that; it should what lead you to be to content to be content. All right. So the question we ask ourselves is: Are we satisfied in the Christian life? Are you? Ask, make it personal. Currently, as you sit here this morning, are you satisfied in the Christian life? Previous two weeks ago, I think I asked the question: Is God enough for you? You need to answer that question personally. All right? So, godliness sees God's power, God's wisdom. All right? It reflects on his attributes. A contentment, okay, uh, keeps in view all the things that he has done for us. Are you getting the picture? So, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, are you getting the picture? All right? What does that mean to you? From the later explanation I've given, godliness with contentment is great gain. All right? We reflect on his attributes. All right, and then you think of the things he's done for you that should give you contentment. Why doesn't the normal Christian settle on contentment?
1: Because we always want more. We want more
2: that, and I don't have mm-hmm. that. outcome
0: mm-hmm. Man is like that. He's always looking for something. It doesn't matter your stage in life. Everybody's looking for something. Thinking or assuming that if we get the next thing, it's going to what, give us more satisfaction. Th- think about it. Jobs, education, uh, any, I mean, just name any human pursuit. Man is always looking for something. And it's, oh, a better marriage. And I want another partner. Things like that. You see, so man is never satisfied. And sad to say even for Christians. And that is why, I mean, personally, as I was uh, the whole week thinking through this lesson, it really spoke to me. I said, no, sometimes we need to pause and reflect. You know, where are we heading towards? What are the, the things we give our energies to? Does it really matter in life? These are questions we need to ask ourselves. You see, eventually like Paul says, uh, we are going to stand before God and he's going to ask you the number of years he gave you. What did you do with those years? All right. If you've been chasing the wind or you've been chasing after things that really don't matter, This is the time to really, to reconsider. Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Remember, he said that with godliness, it doesn't only have blessings for this life, but it also has what blessings for the life to come. We saw that in the previous chapter. So not just in this life, but in the life to come. So look at it the other way. Whatever you are investing your time in, is it going to count in the life after? That is a question you have to ask yourself, all right? So, uh, godliness with contentment uh, is great gain. Now, where does the contentment come from, okay? And here, three things. One, the providence of God, the providence of God, how he provides for his own, especially when we are in a distressing situation, okay? All things work together for good, to them that love God. All things, including the good, the bad, I mean, all, all things work together for good. All right? So our satisfaction, contentment should come from when we reflect on the providence of God. Today, if you are alive, it's because of his goodness towards you. We're talking about people who are, who's physical, they can't even get up from bed including babies, all right? But you are faith. you are here, you are in church. God would have loved to be here, I suppose, but he's providentially handed. So contentment should make us reflect, one, on the providence of God, all right? Not just in the providence of God, it should also help us to think about God's protection of us. How he protects us. I don't know if you are somebody who you feel good about your health. I had a brother in church in Ghana, Michael. And Michael was sad that he would come to church and say, oh, in in 20 years, I've never seen the doctor. I said, hey, (laughs) are you serious? He said, yes. And he used to, you know, throw his weight about. But Sadly, when I came here about three years ago, he passed because you know, Michael had never been taking care of himself. You know? And he was that kind of person. So Just one ailment that got him within a few days, he was gone. I'm talking about God's protection of us. You know, today, if we are about we have faith and able to do a lot of things, we should reflect on God's protection. All right? And all these things should give us that contentment. You see? And even in spiritual matters, maybe you even made shipwreck of your faith somewhere along the line. You fell. All right? Or even as we speak, your Christianity is not really something you are proud about. You know, you wish things could be better. Think about God's protection because you could have fallen away a God through his providence is you know giving you the gospel, hearing the reading the word all right, even when we are afflicted with sickness, God's protection of us should keep us content and then the third aspect of this is god's future plans god's future plans so three things I've mentioned okay, okay, his providence, his protection his future plans now here Paul talks about Christ coming again. I don't know whether the last time you really thought about Christ coming again. Have you ever slept and then dreamt about the rapture before? How it's going to look like? All right, think about it any moment from now, Christ could show up. It is imminent. All right but You know, I think as believers, sometimes these things look into the future. I mean, it's like not, not in our time until we are old. Oh, no, that kind of thing. But this should be something that we should constantly remind ourselves about. In fact, that is the third aspect of salvation. Christ's second coming. Okay, so God's future. I mean, we've got our future covered because God is going to take us home. All right. And we will see those who have gone before us, our loved ones who are saved. All right? And the dead in Christ will rise for Then We, which are alive, shall be what? Caught up together with them in the to meet what? The Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that going to be a, a glorious thing? Amen. But think of it. Is everybody going to make it? For believers, our future is sealed. All right? So, if we are thinking in those terms, then godliness with contentment makes more meaning. Are we getting the picture? All right? So, I want us to reflect on these things. His providence, his protection, his future plans. Now, think about Trinity. Trinity, the founding of Trinity here, our building, you know, where God has placed the church in Mancy, is all part of what? His providence. You get the picture. So, this, this it's, it's, I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. Okay? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Then I look at verse number seven. Uh, before I, we come to seven, I, may, I forgot to mention that for us personally, as far as God's future plans are concerned, okay, God has a plan for each and every one of us in the years ahead. I don't know how you are thinking about the future, but whatever plans you are making, think about how you can be more effective in the kingdom of God, all right? Whatever future plans you are making, think about how you can be more effective in God's service, all right? So, these three things should make us content. Any comments on, what does it, does it strike anything? I mean, have I said something uh, that you've thought about? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at the way the world is going, you know? What is really distracting us from focusing on this contentment, godly contentment. Remember, Paul says in Philippians, contentment is a learned activity. I have learned in every state to be content. Philippians 4, what? Oh, man. <laughs> Philippians 4? Maybe 11. 11? Yeah, I think so. All right. I have learned in every state of mind to be what? To be content. Whether he has more or less. So contentment is what a learned activity we learn. Yes, sir?
2: That book I mentioned last week, The, mm-hmm. the Rare Jewel of Christian
0: contentment. Mm-hmm. that's what Jeremiah Burroughs is kind yeah. of It's hard to come by
2: that. Uh-huh. It, it's a rare jewel to, uh-huh. that we come by.
0: Yes. So Last Sunday you talked about
2: submitting to the Lord. Yeah. Maybe it's not natural for us to submit to the Lord, and it's something that we have to learn to be able to submit to yeah. be like, okay, and even say, Okay, God, I don't really like this, but I submit to you. Please help me to handle myself in a wise way, in a way that honors you. You
0: know? you know, this week I was reading about the fall of the walls of Jericho, and then you know the instructions God gave them. He said, Go around the city once, every day, on the six, this seventh day, go around six times. So I was thinking about that I said, well, what would the Jews be thinking when they' will go around and come back? And know that they go around again, say. So, uh, I'm sure some people will go like, ah, what is all this? God could have just done what He did on, after the sixth day, right? He could have just on the first day. But he said, go around first. Next day, go again. Next day, go again. Next day, go again. And the sixth day, go six times. Alright? And then after the sixth day, the world just gave way. What was God teaching the people? Remember, this was a new generation. I was going to the promised land. And God needed to what? To teach them his sovereignty, his ways. And they had to learn obedience. Are you getting the picture? So, uh, the way to be happy is to, uh, is to trust and obey. All right? And when we obey the Lord, we do what is right in His sight. I tell you, that is contentment. You can go to bed and you sleep. Alright, so let's move on to verse 7. Can somebody read it for us, please?
2: But well, we brought nothing into the world, mm-hmm. and we cannot take anything out.
0: Yeah. Yes, we cannot carry anything out. Alright, we cannot bear anything out. So Paul has this idea of physical things. Alright, now what did Christ say about the narrow way?
2: You there, read it, find it.
0: Yes, he says that what the way is so narrow that few find it. Few, okay. Somebody said it's so narrow that you can't even carry your suitcases along. It's so narrow you can't take your suitcases along. Think about that graphic imagery. All right, it's a narrow path, narrow and few there be that find it. You know, somebody came to Christ one time and said, he asked Christ, are there few that be saved? What was the answer Christ gave him? He said, strive that you too (laughs) will enter in. Why didn't the man say, are there many people that will make it to heaven? Why do you think the person asked that question? Why didn't he ask, are there many people who will make it? But he said, are there few that will make it to heaven? Why do you think he didn't ask the other way around? Possibly, this man looked around and he realizes that majority of the people are not seeking after the things of God. Generally speaking, not many people are really seeking after the things of Christ. Is it not true even today? Paul says that for all seek their own not the things of Christ. You see? So, what would the sinner take to heaven? What would the sinner take to heaven?
1: Their
0: sin? sin Yes, that's right. Okay? Their sin burden. And they will stand before God and they have no knowledge of God. No knowledge. Can you imagine Maybe they spend 20 years on earth, 30 years, 40 years, and they have no knowledge of God. His way of salvation, they, they just spend it, I mean, it like that. Uh, like Romans 1 says, that what, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So God gave them over to what? Reprobate minds. Even as they did not like to retain God. Chris was just sharing something with me. A man goes around, on social media asking people questions about the Bible for $100. And the moment he mentions Bible, some people say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to have anything to... Nothing. Alright? So for sinners, they will take their sin burden, they will take their ignorance, okay? And their status, that is, they are alienated from the things of God. This not a tragedy. All right. When you are cast off into outer darkness and other portions of scripture says to a place where the worm dieth not. That is the picture of hell. Alright? So, for the saved, what do you take into heaven? Your testimony. Your godliness. Your influence. How you affected people. How you affected your spouse, your children, your church, your community. You take your testimony. Are you getting the picture? Right. So it is certain we can carry nothing physical into the next world. All right? And then look at verse 8. Food and raiment. Food. What is Paul talking about? Having food and raiment. Let's be what? content, right? What does Paul mean? He means the necessities of life. And we tried to describe that last week. The necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter. When you have that, you should be content. But we want more. I don't know, have you recently thought about um, years before, maybe before the 1990s when There were no cell phones. We never carried cell phones to church. But how did we feel? Things were fine. But today, if you drop your phone accidentally at home, how do you feel living the house? I mean, when you come here? Yeah, you are missing something, right? Yes. I'm thinking about... Ten years ago, I met a man. He said, no, I don't carry a cell phone around. And he was a businessman. And he said, how do you do business then? He said, well, I take my office phone. Anybody who wants to reach me. Because he came to a point in his life I said, no, this thing is going to control me. So just made up his mind that he will never keep a cell phone. I think today we'll say that's far-fetched, right? But a phone is a luxury, if you ask me. Right, most of the time, is we are just we are just fidgeting with the phone. We're on social media. Maybe we are texting. Something is taking our attention. Think about how many times do you take calls from people? If it's not an emergency, you find out that the phone is more of a luxury than a necessity. All right, I don't want us to that. It's not be a debate, but I'm just throwing it out there. Think about it. You see. So, uh, other things are merely desirable. They are secondary. And we ought ought not to place the cat before the horse. All right, so having food and raiment, let's be content. All right, and then of course we invest in spiritual things. But look at the next thing Paul says they that will be rich. Who are these? Who are these? Remember, Scripture does not condemn wealth per se, all through Scripture, it doesn't condemn wealth. Abraham was a rich man. Even Lot was a rich man. Okay, but okay, you don't make the wealth your center of, you know, living. Okay, so Paul is talking about those who want more. That will be read. Those who want material things. Those who have an anxiety for wealth, eagerness for gain. Remember, the context is the. For our teachers, and it's so its not strange. I mean, you think of the big churches. It's all money. Money is the driving thing. All right. So what does Paul say? He says that what it becomes a snare, a trap. What is a snare? What is a snare? A lure. Okay. Now you know the idea of with a, a snare. Okay. It is like this it comes upon you suddenly if you've seen uh sometimes i've seen these things uh videos on uh, facebook i like watching the animals you see a wild beast going to drink water from the stream and then there's a crocodile coming in a, the, the, you know it very still they don't see i don't know how those big crocodiles are able to keep underwater And they just spring upon the, I mean, whether it's a leopard or a wild beast or a deer, whatever. They just spring and then, (sighs) that is a snare, you know. It comes upon you suddenly, you see, and then you are hooked. And then you find out that it comes with a whole cluster of things. So let me give you an example. All right. Like uh uh Fashion, okay. When you just get hooked on fashion, it just <laughs> it just sweeps you over like that. And every time you are thinking of, ah, what new thing I can what put on. That's just one example. All right. So I mean, think about those of us here. The life that our parents lived is that how we are living today how our parents started life 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Our parents had nothing compared to what we have today. Is it not true? Our parents had nothing, but they were fine. They were happy. But today, if you ask a young lady to marry a man, the first thing she's going to ask, how much do you bring in that average person? I don't mean Christians, of course. Yeah, if God have mercy on you, if you are a teacher, (laughs) God have mercy on you. Because teachers, you know, you eat from you spend some salary to salary. Uh, I don't think I can live with this kind of man. All right, I want Wall Street corporate men, right? So money is a snare. Materialism is a snare, and usually you know, we confuse luxuries with essentials. Okay, we have to reach a stage where we would uh, have to you know, rethink some of these things. But I want us to spend some time, turn around your, your sheet, look at some questions uh, down there, page 3. And I want us to spend the rest of the time discussing the questions. Somebody should read the first question for us. After I've just given you the background and then we'll look at what should we do instead. But let's see how we, Paul says we should look at the Christian faith. And let's read the questions that are there. First question, somebody should kindly read it for us. What do
1: you think of the Christian life as mm-hmm. a fight.
0: Mm-hmm. What yes. So now Paul says that how can we get uh, our contentment right? How can we get a Christian journey right? Okay, And he says that it is really a fight. So the fa- Can you read it again, please?
1: When you think of the Christian life mm-hmm. as a fight, mm-hmm. what
0: comes to mind? Yes, what comes to mind? Question to the class. Do you see it as a fight? Is it a fight? Do you agree it's a fight? I think when we watched those videos with uh, the African-American pastor I think a year or two or so ago, one of the statements he made was that the Christian journey is not a playground. It is what? A ground of what? Fighting. It's not a playground. All right? But in our mind, sometimes we think Christianity is the, I mean... Paul says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So if you are not wrestling against flesh and blood, and you are just throwing your weight about if you, know, you are in a real fight. All right? And this is how we look at the Christian faith. That's why, automatically, if it's a fight, then Paul introduces that idea of the Christian soldier. The Christian soldier. Onward, Christian soldiers. All yeah. right? Onward Christian, it's not, we just don't sing. (laughs) All right. right. They're marching as to war. All (laughs) right. Onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before Christ the royal master. We have been the forward into battle. See his yeah. Azaleh. <laughs> yes. Then, who is on the Lord's side, who will serve the king, who will be his help? And We have to sing those church militant songs. Please, when you go to the hall, pick your hymn book. Look at church militant. You will see the hymns there. When you are free, just instead of talking, just pick a hymn book. Look at those church militant songs. Okay, it will remind you that we are Christian soldiers. We are marching to war. All right. What's the next question, please? We see the Christian as a fight. The fight for contentment is a fight.
2: What elements of such a fight can you identify?
0: Yes. Uh, If you read uh, the Rules of engagement, That you have it in your notes, okay? Paul gives some prescriptions. I want you to look at it and tell me. Look at uh, rules of engagement, verses 11 to 16. All right. What's the first thing? You see, I've put the dash, dash on your notes where you have the points. Dash, dash, there are about five or so. Let's start mentioning them. The first rules of engagement for this fight, the first place you see a dash, look at it and tell me. What is the first thing Paul? He says what? Uh huh. Well, how does Paul put it? He says what? Flee. flee, flee, flee! Certain things. Flee. The first F. What do you flee? What should you flee from? Temptation. Temptation yes. Paul mentioned some things there. Flee. Flee these things. He says these things that he's mentioned earlier on. What has he mentioned that we've been discussing? Money, the love of money, what else? Materialism, uh, false doctrine. Okay, flee these things. Flee. Uh, I don't know how to make it graphic. But when you are fleeing, it's not like you are. <laughs> when, when
2: Joseph was fleeing for his wife, the
0: yeah.
2: first thing that always pops in my yeah. mind yeah. is he didn't just say, oh, well, I better get out of here. Yeah. It, he ran. ran. It was over. A- To the point, he ran out of
0: his coat. Yes. Now the picture uh, is—it's you see Lot and his wife when the angels was getting them out of Sodom. What were they doing? They were fleeing. Instead of fleeing, one person was doing what? She's looking. What is she looking at? Maybe her jewelry. Her jewelry. All right. Or maybe some something she's got down there. That is in flames. She's thinking about when you are supposed to be fleeing. The place is in flames. And you can sense it. You can feel it. But she's not fleeing. She's fleeing physically, but in her mind, she was still in Sodom. Are you getting the picture? So Paul says, flee these things. I don't know how to make it graphic for you. Maybe in your mind, you are like, no. You are thinking, oh, when I'm 40, I'll be retired. So I need to make money so that I can retire. Alright? And then everything will be fine. You know, and sipping your whatever. You want to give your whole strength to making money, keeping checks in them. I tell you, even as I stand here, you know, I lost my father in 2015. I buried him before I came to the United States, November 2015. And My father had some money in the bank and I told my sister in Ghana to go and chase after that. (laughs) But he said, I don't have time for this, you know, but there's money sitting in the bank. Unfortunately, my mom too also passed this, you know, but people die and there's money sitting in the bank, nobody, you see. So this is it, and you've Can you imagine? I mean, you saw so some people just piling money, piling, 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 piling. They don't care about their family, they don't care about their children. It's all piling money in, in the bank. Paul says, flee these things. All right. What's the next rule of engagement? Look at the dash there. The second dash. What, what does it say? You should flee. I mean, what does the next rules of engagement? So, you don't just flee, you do what? Pursue what? Righteousness, what else? Godliness, uh huh. Faith, love. Have you noticed that in most of Paul's letters, these two words, faith and love, keeps appearing? When we looked at uh, 4, chapter 4, verse 12, okay, it says that, Let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in where in faith, why do you think that faith and love keeps appearing in almost all of Paul's lists when you have to pursue something, faith and love i just pick those two All right, faith and love, why do you think faith and love are so important in the Christian journey or something that we have to pursue faith and love scripture
2: says without faith you you
0: can't please him yes, it's true that's Hebrews
2: eleven. I would say
0: that neither one comes natural. It doesn't come naturally. Yes, apart from saving faith, we have to have the daily faith. All right, the daily faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. All right, and faith is is, is that's the is essential. It is the Christian life. We walk by faith. You know that for the worldly people, they want science. I have to see this before I believe. In the Christian race, it's rather what. Uh, we have what? Seeing is believing. No. Believing is seeing. All right? Believing is seeing. In the world, is the other way around. Seeing is believing. No. So faith is so important in our daily Christian work. All right? And we've already talked about God's providence, his protection. So when you are going in faith, you are on solid ground. Are you getting the picture? Right?
2: I see both these working together, too. As you bleed from the bad... Mm-hmm you need to go just as
1: fast, yes.
2: if not faster, yes. to the godliness yes. and the
1: righteousness
0: yes, and, yes. and
2: faith.
0: And Excellent. All right, so there's something for you to work towards. Okay, and the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, reflect on the Exodus journey. How God, for instance, could part the Red Sea and they could walk on what? Dry ground. And the what, what, piles of water were formed like a wall. And the Jews were just going through. How graphic can that be? All right. Lazarus had been dead for how many days? Three, four days? Three. All right. And the people said, by now he stinketh. But Christ said, what? That the works of God might be made manifest. Lazarus sleepeth. Alright? So Christ raised the dead. He parted the sea. He made the worlds. And everything in it. So when we, we you trust such a God? God is big. God is big. Bigger than, you know, he's big. Are you getting the picture? When David fought Goliath, the Jews were fearful, including Saul, who should be fighting. But David said, I come to you in the name. What was David's daily work like? He works by faith. So, the Goliath, as far as he was concerned, Goliath was just like the bear, the lion that he killed in the wilderness. That is how we live the Christian life faith. All right? So, we fight our everyday battles by faith. All right, second word I want us to highlight love. Why is love always on Paul's list? Why is love always on Paul's list? The greatest, the greatest of this is love. Greater love of no man than this that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Are you sacrificing for your spouse, for your children, for your church? All right, are you sacrificing? Or you're always thinking about yourself. It's always me, myself, and I. I tell you, one of the blessed things my pastor taught me years ago, he said, Bennett, begin to pray for other people. And then you'll see what will happen. Spend time praying for other people. Don't pray for yourself. Pray for other people. So, because I was in ministry, what I do, I sit down in my imagination. I know... the people who sit in church i know where everybody sits when i was in awana i know each of the leaders their sections i mentioned them by name all right if you are faithful you see that when you begin to pray all the people who are usually faithful their images will be showing in your mind and you begin to pray for them one by one if you can't have that imagination write the names down and then begin to pray for people and see what will happen spend time praying for other people More than yourself. That is love. And for those of us with children, that becomes our our loved ones. We pray for them. Okay. What is the third, the next rules of engagement? What's the next one? The third one, after fleeing and pursuing, what does Paul say? Fight the good fight. We meet it again. All right? Now, the Christian blessings don't come easily. That's the word. Blessings don't come easily. We have to fight. All right? Sometimes people feel that when you trust Christ or you believe on Christ, then it becomes like uh, sitting in the armchair and then hoping that things will. No. You need to what? Be diligent. When Christ was asleep, he said, occupy till I come. Occupy. Occupy means when you, you, another country takes over another country, they occupy. What does it mean? When you occupy a country, <laughs> the soldiers here should, should help me. All right. When you occupy a country, you live in a
2: country.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, 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 I mean, when people occupy, like Russia occupying Ukraine, they are not sleeping there. All right. They are, they have, they are, they are alive looking out for the enemy, looking for signs of, you know, uh, penetration, things like that. Do you occupy? You, you are active. You are, so, I don't know, but if you are a Christian and you are not active, we've been talking about Christian soldiers, you can't be fighting. At a time when David was supposed to fight, what was he doing? Um, Yes, sir. You wanted to say something? Yeah. I
1: just think it's interesting that in the list of pursuits or some pursuits gentleness, Mm -hmm. at the same time, we're being told to fight. Fight, yes. So, you know, it's a spiritual fight. Yes. Yes. Not a political fight. Yes. We're fighting our flesh. Yes. It's
0: interesting you bring up gentleness because we can look at it in terms of how we witness to people. You know, when you meet somebody, for instance, who is LGBTQ, whatever, what is your attitude? Do you want to take a big stick? And then, the person doesn't know God. He's bereaved of the grace of God. So you don't use a big stick. You have to be gentle. Reason with the person. I think Wednesday night, we're talking about the same thing. Romans 1, verse 4, I think, uh, verse 7 or so. When, yeah, five. when Pastor um, Tim was talking about these things. For a person who doesn't know God, he need, you need to be gentle. You need to talk about your sin, but you have to be gentle. Alright, go about it in a very wise way. And sometimes the person may not even take you seriously, but you have sowed a seed. Or you don't take a big stick and then... In fact, in Ghana today, as we speak, they are thinking of uh, criminalizing the gay thing in parliament you know they want to really just like in some of the African countries and I tell people you know, don't think that the laws will just you will even make them go underground and they know they are they know their company, they know where they meet and things like that We need to preach the gospel preach the gospel if the churches are serious about preaching the gospel be able to make inroads. It's not a loss. All right? So it's a very interesting observation with the gentleness. We need to have that balance, all right? What else? After uh, fighting, what else? This is what? Hold. And we will end with this. Uh, last week, I we alluded to this. You know, eternal life begins when you trust Christ, right? But when Paul says, hold on to, take hold of eternal life, what is he talking about? Take hold of. When you take hold of something, what is the image that is carried there? You grip, you have a, a firm grip. You strengthen your grip, okay, on eternal life. And I don't know how you look at the Christian journey. It is not something to be holding lightly you need to every day strengthen your grip because the culture in which we live is not a passive culture it's not passive at all so whilst you are loosening your grip and watching tv and watch every day you are sitting behind the tv doing nothing and just swallowing away time you see that gradually your faith is eroding very soon You might not even be interested in church at all and I speak respectfully to the young people I hope that 20 years from now you will be teaching here and your parents will be seated I want to challenge you would you be here would you look at your church with nostalgia and be thankful for your parents It's even possible. Some of you may not even the moment you have the first chance of escape, you'll say, I've I've washed my hands of Trinity. It's a possibility. I want to leave you with, strengthen your grip. Take hold of eternal life. If you are saved, hold. I mean, just keep going. Closing comments. Maybe next week we'll do a close-up. A wrapping up of the whole thing. Then, Mr. Jay, okay. uh, you want to come next week?
1: No,
2: I don't. <laughs> all
0: right, let's do a, a kind of summary of the whole thing, and then I'll hand over to Jay, all right? And then he'll come in the following way. Yes, what do you, What are you taking home this morning? What What stood out to you? Was,
2: there's the end. You're here. I pictured the armor of God. Yeah. It's, it's a battle. Yeah. You had the sword.
0: The spirit. Sword.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the shield, the shield of faith. Yeah, just have it all.
0: Wonderful.
1: Yes, I am feeling very convicted about uh, my cell phone and the <laughs> the luxuries. It, it's making me think about what other luxuries yeah. in my life are providing temptation mm-hmm. that I need to be fleeing from mm-hmm. and avoiding so that I can be pursuing the right things yeah. and being faithful to uh, the tasks and responsibilities that the Lord has given me yeah. how am i spending my time yeah. so it's giving me a
0: lot of time. wonderful and it's always about our leisure time mm-hmm. the leisure what do you do with your leisure last comment mm-hmm. what i read flee follow fight mm-hmm. pursue mm-hmm. right. we are talking about playing like you just
2: reminded me because september 11th is tomorrow whatever remember mm-hmm. seeing all those Scenes of people just fleeing for their life. Yeah. That that's yes, that's a graphic. You know, I got that image yeah. when we were talking about yeah. it because you could see these people. Yeah. they didn't know what they were. that no. they were running yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, The danger.
0: Life is short. Life is short. I tell you, yeah. if we think of life being short, mm-hmm. we we'll would incline our hearts unto wisdom. right, let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to fellowship around your holy word. Father, continue to. Reason with us, so that we can, oh God, even flee the things that do not bring glory to Your holy name, that will pursue faith, love, righteousness, godliness. Oh God, help us to be convicted about these things, and help us, oh God, in our little small—I mean, our little ways. Oh God, even to advance Your kingdom. We praise You for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your prayer.